0: one that pulled you out of darkness. Exalt the name that is above every From ceremonial church, say amen. Tired of ritual, going through the motions, powerless. I have lighted a lot of candles in my day, but I've never seen a demonstration of God from lighting a candle but I have seen a demonstration from God when we give him praise. Yes, hallelujah. I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you expect today. The Lord spoke to me a little earlier and said that preparations have been made for the supernatural. Preparations have been made for the supernatural. I have a message and I really, doesn't make any difference to me whether I get to it or not. If I don't, then you'll hear it another day perhaps. Because I believe that God wants to do miracles in this place. Yeah, miracles. Brother Boldy, God wants to heal you today. He wants to find somebody sitting by the pool of Bethesda that's here today and say, How long have you been? How long have you suffered with this? How long have you carried this? Because he wants you to go home without it. I have some announcements, but I just don't feel like making them right now. Feel like doing the thing that's hardest for us to do, let's just wait on God for a little bit. Let's just marinate in his presence. We're so quick to want to click off the next box. What comes next? What comes next is whatever he wants to come next. have a need I know you do some some's needs are worse than others some are desperate God doesn't do something today you don't know what you're going to do God's never late never he's always on time I can tell you he's, he's not on my schedule he's probably not on your schedule But he's never late. I'd like to greet our visitors today and I'd like to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ because whatever you need will be in his name. If you need to be baptized today, it must be in the name of Jesus or you will just be getting wet. We can baptize you every Sunday in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You will go down a sinner, and you will come up a sinner. Because the only power to remit sin is in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't ask me why nobody ever told you that before, because they preach from the same Bible we do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to leave you standing. I think the Lord wants me to preach. I do want to greet the men that's back. They're a little on fire right now. Uh, it's up, they kindle the fire in you. It's up to you to keep the fire burning. Amen. It's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it's up to you to do it. Also, Sister Melinda, this is on her. Don't blame me. It's on Sister Melinda. I was teasing her earlier. When you leave, pick up your bottles. Look around any trash and things that are in the seats, uh, because tomorrow we're going to gather here and we are going to honor the passion of our brother, Brother Bringman, Steve Bringman. And we're—it's strange, you know, that we're going to be singing and celebrating. You think that we're glad that he's gone? No, we're glad he's where he is. We're glad that his fight is over. His pain is over, so viewing is at 11 o'clock here till 12. The service will begin at 12 o'clock tomorrow. So uh, if you can bring some food or a side dish or especially dessert. Uh, once an addict, always an addict. Uh, so just help us out. We want to be a blessing to the family tomorrow, so if you can be here with us, please be here. Also, next Saturday is a prayer walk in downtown Fort Myers, right in front of the uh, Wells Fargo Bank. They're not letting us into Centennial Park, so park right there. There's plenty of room to park. We're going to walk the city, and we're going to pray and take authority uh, over our city because we want revival. We want revival. While you're standing, I apologize. I know it's been a long time, but just keep in mind, you're going to sit down in a moment, and I'm direct your attention to Mark chapter 4. I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell Sister Leslie, our worship leader, who does such an outstanding job to be ready for anything, which means that I need to be ready for anything as well. This service belongs to God. It's really not ours. And so whatever he wants to do and whenever he wants to do it, uh, I told the Lord earlier, just let me know and I'll just get out of the way. Mark chapter 435, And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. If you recall, it was three weeks ago, Brother Lockie mentioned the storm. We're going to deal with that a little bit today, but the Lord said, let us pass over to the other side. What does that sound like the will of God is for them? To go over to the other side. Matthew 14, there's a number of references we could use here from the Gospels. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. In other words, you guys get in the ship and go, I'll send the multitude away and I will join you there was the intent. And uh, and we're going to mention it in a moment. He constrained them. That was the first problem they had when he had to force them to get into the ship. When he had to make them get in the boat. Trust me today, there will be no use of coercion or force or pressure applied to anybody to do anything because that's not God's way. It's not God's will. But God wants you to receive what you came here for today. Lord bless you. May be seated. Whenever we defer to these particular accounts, of when the disciples crossed over the Sea of Galilee, the emphasis always seems to be centered on the most obvious, always seems to focus on the storms, not just gentle storms. We're supposed to get some storms today. I don't think they're gonna be anything like they experienced on the Sea of Galilee, but the storms that they experienced uh, did threaten their very existence. And so it seems like uh, that our attention is likewise always drawn to what is looming in our future. We worry about things that never happen. We worry about things that never come to pass. We worry about sicknesses that we never get. We worry about a lot of things because we always are drawn for some reason to the impending storm or We're always looking at the proverbial mountain or the obstacle, the devil, the giant, the hindrance, the opposition. Whatever it is that's in our way, that's what we always look at. You do realize that's what the enemy wants you to look at. Peter did really good walking on water. Uh, during the storm until he looked at the waves and listened to the wind, and that's when he began to sink. So I know God can do anything, but if you're focused on the wrong thing, it can be disastrous. So while it is impossible to entirely ignore the obstacles that are both annoying and frustrating, I'm reminded of a catchphrase that, Uh, You have probably heard for years, it's the phrase that says keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize is based on a traditional gospel song that became influential during the American civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, and if you're old enough to remember that, those were very turbulent years came from a song that contained the words, hold on, keep your hand on the plow. The Lord spoke something to me, I don't even know when it was, weeks ago. And I think that this is the time that I'm supposed to share it with. We merit it in all of the things that we cannot do. We don't have time to help clean the church. We don't have time to cut the grass. We're, we're not qualified to teach a Bible study or to preach a sermon or, or to do a, a, a sundry of different things. And the Lord spoke to me and said, all you got to do is be faithful. And there's some folks that can't even do that. The qualifications are not that high once you've been born again of water and of the Spirit. And so while we will talk about all the stuff we can't do and we're not able to do and we don't have the ability or the time to do, God's saying, look, all you got to really do right now is be faithful. And if you can't do that, then the rest is between you and God. I guess to keep your hands on the plow, you got to first put them there. And it evolved into keep your eyes on the prize. We used to sing a song, heaven is in my view, heaven is in my view. What a song we used to sing. What a great time we used to have. I think we've lost sight of heaven. I think we've lost sight of some things that we need to put our eyes on again. So Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, no man having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And this is an incredibly insightful statement by our Lord. Even though our hands may actually be on the plow or even though we may be engaged and deeply committed to the work of God, it is difficult to keep our eyes on the prize if everything else is coming against us. We're not here to marginalize your struggle. We're not here to marginalize your burdens. We're not here to marginalize the pain in your body or the the things that you are dealing with in your life. But we're going to help you with that if you will just stay with us here for a few minutes. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, found it difficult to focus on the promised land. Why was it so hard to focus on the promised land? The reason is was because of their struggle in the wilderness. They had a hard time getting excited about Canaan as long as they were thirsty and as long as, as they were going through this, this uh this wilderness journey. And so even though they were free from their Egyptian taskmasters and even though they were well on their way uh, to a land that flowed with milk and honey, they found no joy in their journey. I said they found no joy in their journey. I got news for you. Between here and there, there's going to be a few wildernesses along the way. You're going to have to walk through some dry places between here and there. There There's going to be some stuff that's going to get in your way between here and there. But somehow we have to find joy in our journey. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven fifteen. 15, and truly, this was a fact. It was real. It was not conjured up by the writer of Hebrews. It really happened if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Ladies and gentlemen, they talked a lot about going back. And so where are we right now? We're at the title of this message, Don't Faint on the Way to Your Miracle. Don't faint on the way to your miracle. Our Lord, help us, Jesus. I think God wants to lift somebody out of your depression here. God wants to lift somebody out of your defeatist spirit and your defeatist mindset. God wants to restore somebody in his love and his mercy and his grace. He wants somebody to know that he loves you and he cares about you. He died for you. You think he's going to let you go now? He let them beat him with a cat of nine tails. You think he's going to let you go now? There was a point when the disciples who were caught in the storms wished that they had never made the, jo- the voyage. I've been on a few trips like that when I wished we never left the house, we just stayed home and, and wouldn't have made the journey. But this is the reason why some people backslide. They get to the point where they wish they had not made or attempted to make the journey. When it's easier to go backwards than it is to go forward. Anybody identify with that? It's easier to go backwards than it is to go forward. You know why? There's no resistance when you go backwards. Everything's pulling you to go backwards. Everything's yanking on you to go backwards. And so going forward seems to be the more difficult of the two, and rightly so. But I'd like to remind you, but what Jesus said to the disciples on both of these occasions, He said, "Let us pass over to the other side." The object of them getting into the boat or the ship, I'd probably be uh, reprimanded by a true captain here today for calling that a boat. It's a ship. And so the object of them getting in the ship, casting off from shore and going all the way across the sea, was to reach the other side. So the thing is that you have to remember, and this is very important, that you don't lose sight of why you are here. And you do not lose sight of where you are going. Sister Bruce and I realized that there was a point in our walk with God that we could no longer see the shore from which we sailed. It's closer to go on to the other side now than to try to navigate back. It's further to go back than it is to go forward. We, when you come that far, you have to know where you're going. So Jesus did not tell his disciples now Uh, I want you to get into the ship and sail around, drink some iced tea, eat some matzo balls, have some conversation, enjoy the sunshine, fish a little bit. And when you get tired toward evening, just kind of sail back toward shore and rejoice in the great day that you had. That was not the point of the journey. You've got to understand the point of this journey is not to always have fun. It's not to always enjoy the journey. It's not to always everything go our way. So both the ship and the Sea of Galilee were the means through which the disciples would reach a specific destination for a specific purpose. Now I'm going to say this, I, I hope it's of the Lord and not of me. I don't know how people live for God if you have no reason other than just going to heaven. How do you live this without purpose that drives you every day? How do you live this without the compulsion of God's spirit to fulfill the mission and the purpose for which he has created and saved you? How do you just go to church and do nothing else? How do you just go to the house of God? What keeps you if you have no reason for being here? So the other side for them was very specific. The other side for them was the country of the Gadarenes. The question this morning, we're, I think, two minutes in the afternoon. We dealt with this clock last time I preached, but I think it's two minutes. (laughs) So the question this afternoon, if I can adjust my vernacular, is what or where is your other side? Because if you're not going anywhere when the storms come up, if you're not going anywhere when all hell breaks loose against you, if you have no appointment with destiny, what's going to keep you from turning back? I'm convinced that not everyone can answer that question affirmatively. I'm convinced that some of us in this room do not have an answer to that question so if you cannot clearly identify your other side it's no wonder that you're adrift it's no wonder that you lack direction it's no wonder that you're lukewarm it's no wonder that the first place you go every morning is not to the prayer room or to an altar of prayer there's of course the ultimate other side and uh, I, I've said this many times before, Sister Bringman. I'll, I'll say to you if Steve was given the option to return, he wouldn't. He wouldn't come back here. Once you get on that other side, you're not coming back for anything. So there is the ultimate other side. And no matter what happens, we must never lose sight of that. But we can't just live for that ultimate other side. So if you're not going there today, anybody? Isn't it such a strange paradox that we all want to go just not right now? That's the way God wired us. He wants us to enjoy life and to live and have purpose in in this world, in this life. And so if you're not going there today, then there are other issues that you're going to have to deal with. Thank you, Sister Leslie, for singing, This is How We Win Our Battles. I have another chorus for you. This is how I've won my battles. Praise God. Everybody say, this is how I win my battles. I've defeated more devils with praise than with any other weapon. I've defeated more demons with worship than with any other weapon. Hey, devil, watch me praise God. Hey, devil, watch me dance. Hey, devil, watch me shout. Woo! hallelujah. You can rebuke all day long. But when you start worshiping God, they're going to flee from you. (laughs) Clap him out of the room. Clap him out of your house. Praise him out of your life. So every child of God, before they reach the ultimate other side, there are many other sides on the way there. Many other sides. And between you right now and whatever or wherever the other side of God is for his will for you now, wherever that may be, there is always the potential of a storm or of a problem. The storm just represents a problem, an issue, insurmountable. You can't go around it. You can't go above it. You can't go below it. You can only do one thing: go through it. That's all the storm represents. You're going to encounter some devils along the way. If if you're not fighting devils, you know, oh, well, I, I don't even know. God help us. You're not dealing with demons and devils and darkness and principalities and powers. Yeah, especially now. So I ask you again, what is your other side? Where is your other side? Because wherever that is will determine what you've got to go through to get there. Praise God. And if you don't know why and where you're going, chances are pretty good that you just might faint on the way to your miracle. First time the disciples would cross the tempestuous waters of the Sea of Galilee, they were on their way to witness the greatest act of deliverance the world had ever witnessed, and as far as I can tell, has ever witnessed. Of course, we're talking about the demoniac of gathering possessed with a legion of devils. They didn't know what they were going for. You know, I I wish God was a little bit more informative with us. But he did not tell them, listen, guys, you're going. This is going to be great. This is going to be cool. This is going to be nothing you've ever seen. All they know is we're going to the other side. That's all God tells us. That's supposed to be good enough for us. Just just get to the other side whatever you have to do to get there. And so we don't know what God is getting ready to do with our miracle. Your miracle may be somebody that's blind receiving their eyesight. Your miracle may be somebody that needs the Holy Ghost to receive the Holy Ghost. Your miracle may be somebody needs to be healed. It may have nothing to do with you, but you're on your way to a miracle. So God wants me to tell you those that are willing to make the journey, those that are willing to stay there until they reach the other side, that there are unimaginable miracles that await you there, miracles that you cannot even fathom or conceive in your mind. And I have made up my mind, I'm not going to... on the way to my miracle. Mark four thirty-five, And there arose a great storm here, but back to the, that, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. He, that's Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto, uh, unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, I personally believe, you can believe anything you want, as long as it's in the Bible. I personally believe that Jesus did not intend to calm the storm. He was asleep. And He knew, y'all gonna make it to the other side. And so... The only viable reason that I can come up with why Jesus calmed the storm was because the disciples were freaking out. Can I use that word in, in church? <laughs> in the context of which I'm using? They were freaking out. They were in a state of all-out panic. They were coming unglued. <laughs> if he glued us together, the glue was coming apart. And so sometimes it's God's will for the storm not to end, but for you to make it through the storm. Sometimes you don't win the battle, you just get through the battlefield to the other side. And so I hate to be the one, not really, to burst your bubble, but God... Is not going to send an army of angels to deliver you every time you cry for help. He's not have a host of angels leaning over heaven, just waiting for you to cry out to God. So I go now, Lord, because there's some things that you're going to have to go through to get to your miracle. We have to learn to trust God in the storm. We have to learn to endure some things without a full explanation of why. We have to learn to go through some stuff to get to the other side. David said by experience, because he's been there, yea, though I walk. Psalms 23 and 4, yep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. They were freaking out. David said, I'm not freaking out because thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like the darkness. I don't like what I'm feeling. I don't like the devils I'm fighting, but I will fear no evil. I refuse to panic. I refuse to freak out. I'm going to walk through that valley trusting in God. Let me shock some of you all here today. When all hell breaks loose, fear is a normal human response. But hysteria is not. Hysteria is not normal for a man or woman of faith. It's all right to be afraid, it's human. But panic is a result of unbelief. It's Perfectly normal for the disciples to be afraid when the ship is filling with water. And they knew as being mariners when a ship fills with water, what comes next it's getting ready to roll over in the sea. And everyone aboard is going to perish. That's how serious the situation was but nothing else was normal about their situation. Why? Because Jesus was on board their vessel. Sometimes I feel like asking people, do you have the Holy Ghost? If you think the only reason God gave us the Holy Ghost is to speak in tongues, you're wrong. No matter where you go, he is with you. No matter what you go through, he is with you. No matter what you face, he is with you. I went through something years ago. I felt so broken and dejected got up the next morning no I didn't avoid the prayer room I didn't feel like praying but I prayed anyway I'm whimpering I'm crying God I feel so alone the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said I'm here guess who dried their eyes and had a worship session I'm telling you God is with us and if God is with us Not only is he in the ship, but he's sound asleep. That ought to have told him something. He wasn't over there holding on to a mask. He was asleep for crying out loud. I need to look that up. I don't know where that phrase comes from either, but he was asleep. If you look over and you're you're just, I mean, you I mean, everything's and he's asleep. Don't worry. I know he never slumbers and sleeps. But in his earthly body, he did. So the analogy is, is still effective. So I think this should have told him something about the outcome of their situation. So they wake him up. And i got to hurry. I'm going too slow. The uh, first words they said to him was, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? I'm going to come back to that in a moment because i, I got to deal with some business before we, we really get to that. But uh, this is a moral imperative for these disciples. And I want to show you how it has been a moral imperative for some of you. So as previously, previously stated, he arose, he rebuked the uh, wind, speaks to the sea, peace be still, the wind ceased, there was a great calm. But it was what he did afterwards that is so gripping. You may say, well, what is more gripping than that? Personally, I've never experienced that. I've never seen the Lord just stop a storm like that. Now, we did see we were in Birmingham in our fifth wheel, and there was a line of thunderstorms. You know how they come in at an angle? They were coming through Birmingham. There was a severe storm. Tornado warnings, man. It, the, you looked on the map. It was red and all these yellow things. And I, it was bad. So I just simply went on Facebook and said, y'all need to pray because we're getting ready to uh, go through a really bad storm. And they said it will hit Birmingham in one hour. An hour comes, there was no storm. Hour and a half, there was no storm. So I went on my radar map. The storm split. Part of it went north of Birmingham, and part of it went south of Birmingham. Now, God could have, could have let it pass and just keep us safe while we were in our little trailer going, Lord Jesus. But he saw fit at that particular time to part the storm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm still thanking God for that. And so, um, What is even more gripping than the fact that he calmed the storm and the sea and everything was what he said to the disciples. And he asked them two questions. Now, first thing, they asked him a question. Master, don't you care that we perish? And now he asked them the question, why are you so fearful? He didn't say, why are you afraid? Fear would have been normal. But why are you this afraid? Why are you so fearful? Why are you literally freaking out right now? Don't think for one minute that Jesus did not take the element of their situation into consideration. Listen, man, he's around know, It's normal to be afraid right here in the, in the midst of this, but he's saying, Why are you so afraid? I get why the, the other people are scared. Why are you so fearful? So after considering the ferocity of the storm, the violence of the waves, the ship was filled with water and ready to list and turn over and to see the darkness of the night, Jesus could not find one valid reason for them to react the way that they did. So as they pondered this question, as it pierced them through a little bit, I'm sure, oh, stab, stab, why are you so fearful? he then proceeds to ask them the second more piercing question. How is it that you have no faith? He didn't say, how come you you got little faith? How come you have weak faith? How come you don't have any faith? If there's any hope, and there is, for us to recover ourselves on the way to our other side or to our miracle. If there's any way for us not to faint somewhere along the way, we're going to have to answer both of these questions. Now, the moral imperative that I promised you that we would get to momentarily, and it has just been a few moments. When the disciples woke Jesus up, they did not present him with the problem. They did not say, look, Lord, come on. Things are getting pretty scary here. Things are getting pretty rough. There's a storm, wind, waves. We're in a serious predicament here, God. You need to do something. You raised the dead. I think you can deal with this. They didn't do that. They didn't ask for his help. In fact, if you look at this, he did something that they never even asked him to do when he calmed the wind and the sea. Instead, what they said to him, first waking up from a sleep, oh, what's going on? Master, don't you care that we perish? My God. It's one thing, church, to wonder whether God will come to our rescue for whatever reason, maybe it's his intention, and will to go through whatever it is that we're going through, but it's something entirely different when we accuse him of not caring. So in their hysteria, it caused them, Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody right now, in their hysteria and their defeat, in their perplexity, in their state of unbelief, it caused them to question his love and affection for them. And that offended him. It offended him. They would even dare question his love for them. This feverish state of fear that many have been in because of COVID-19 The spirit of fear—it's—it's it's a uh, product of the end time, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of the leverages that the enemy will use upon the human race. It's not supposed to affect the children of God. It's not supposed to affect how we live our lives. I'm not talking about being foolish or cavalier about. A pandemic, that's not what I'm saying. But I refuse to walk in fear. I refuse to walk in fear, to be controlled by fear, to be dominated by fear. If you want to be dominated by, dominated by fear, go to California or go to Michigan. And so they framed an allegation against Christ It was an affront to his character. They were not just weak in faith, folks. They didn't have any faith. And so they tried to manipulate him. I want you to see what they're doing here. They tried to guilt him into saving them from the storm. They tried to manipulate God. Listen, I've tried it. It doesn't work. And so isn't this what Job's three friends tried to do with him, guilt him, guilt him? Who do you think sent those three guys to Job? It wasn't God. Lord didn't send them. Then who did? As they say, you have three guesses and the first two don't count. So sometimes we, if we can't get what we want from God, we guilt him into trying to get our answer. So I want to ask you a question, and I want you to really think about it before you form what you believe to be the correct answer. I don't want you to jump to an answer. I want you to think about the question, and here's the question. What is the worst possible sin that the church of the living God or a saint of God can commit? What is the worst sin, the worst possible sin that the people of God, either collectively or individually, can Commit, and no blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is off the list. I know, I know. You didn't get to see the answers before the test, so. We live in an environment of moral depravity. Some of us that have been believing and preaching the coming of the Lord for 40 and 50 years have seen a moral and spiritual transition in America that some of you younger people have not seen. You do not understand how far we have come in 30 or 40 years. Uh, so we live in an environment of moral depravity uh, that could be compared excuse me, to Sodom and Gomorrah or to any number of other ancient civilizations uh, that were uh, Enveloped by human sacrifice, idol worship, uh, depravity, immorality, and so on. And so the world is very quickly marching toward Armageddon. So you're one of those? Oh, yeah, I'm one of those. So where do you get your information from? The Word of God in the newspaper, or at least current events. I don't read a newspaper anymore. Current events. Uh, And so for obvious reasons, it is necessary for us, for the church, for the people of God, to reiterate some things as we venture deeper into this darkness, this moral and spiritual darkness. It's important that we reiterate the call, the command, and the mandate to holiness, righteousness, godliness, and separation. It's important for us to continually reiterate that call. Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You can throw it out if you want to. We're not throwing anything out that's in the word of God. And so the fifth chapter of Galatians provides us with a list of sins and iniquities and horrible things of which will cause a person to split hell wide open. They are as follows. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Now, I know that there's a, there's a um, postmodern Christian world out there that says once you accept Jesus as your Savior, you can do all this stuff and still go to heaven. That is a lie that was birthed in hell. So here they are, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I know that This list is quite large. It's not a complete list. It is, however, comprised of some pretty hideous and repulsive sins, Uh, some sins that destroy families and destroy lives and destroy children. Yet none of these things that we stated is the sin of which we speak concerning the church and the saints of God. So when are you going to tell us? I want you to just sit on the edge of your seat for a few minutes. Exodus 32 and 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up. If I may paraphrase, you're not doing anything. Up. Make us gods which shall go before us, for as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of egypt we know not what has become of him so he was up in the mount with god for an extended period of time a total of 40 days they got tired of waiting so they said hey come on aaron so all the people broke off the golden earrings in their ears shouldn't have been there anyway but they broke them off and with those with that gold aaron fashioned a golden calf <coughs> he builds an altar it's unfathomable, right? He builds an altar, and the next day, the people, the Bible says, rose up to play. Now, what do you think that means? Well, they were worshiping the calf. They were dancing provocatively, erotically, in praise and worship to this golden calf that they just made yesterday. I I don't want a God that was just made yesterday <laughs> or even last week for that matter. I want a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. I mean, who does that? Who gives up the one true God and worships something that Aaron made yesterday? But that's what they did. Exodus thirty-seven or 32 and 7, and the Lord says unto Moses, he's in the mount, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly, out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now the ultimate end of their folly, of their foolishness, would be determined by God, and because I'm, I'm running out of time, I, I'm going to jump to Exodus 32 and verse 28, because uh, God told Moses to take some Levites, get their sword, and to go through the camp, and they were supposed to kill everyone that was involved in this, and they did, verse 28, and the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and their fell of the people that day about 3,000 men, now that's substantial, right, 3,000 men, is projected there was anywhere from one and a half to two and a half million Israelites passing through the wilderness three thousand come on it's not, it's a pittance three thousand men died because they made a calf and danced around the calf and this is what the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron after the children of Israel refused to cross the Jordan River now we jump forward and and the spies say it's time to go take the land but they say no we're not going now I want you to Connect these two things. They dance around a golden calf and 3,000 people die. Now they simply refuse to cross the Jordan River. They're not worshiping idols. They're not dancing erotically. Uh, They're not making golden calves. They just say, "Uh uh-uh, not going. You need to be careful when you tell God no. You need to be careful when you tell God later. And so the story is revealed in Numbers chapter 14. The Lord spake unto Moses, unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me, and have I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me? Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as he has spoken in mine ear, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upper upward, upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua the son of Nun, and their families, by the way. But your little ones, which he said, should be a prey Oh, we can't go because of our little kids, our little children. But those little ones that you said would be a prey, them will I bring in. And they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. Lord, don't you care that we perish? Verse 35, I the Lord have said, I will surely do it. And to all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness, they shall be consumed and there shall they die. There they shall die. The second time Jesus told the disciples, and they had already crossed the sea, they cast the legion of devils out of the demoniac, he was clothed his right mind. Jesus sent him home. Go back to your family. And now, there they are again. And Jesus constrained them. We're going to go again. We have another mission in the country of the Gadarenes. And he constrained them. Why did he have to do that? It's the only time he had to literally force his disciples. Hey, we remember what happened the last time. We remember what happened the last time we tried to cross the Sea of Galilee, and they didn't want to go. And so he constrained them because they were afraid of another storm. Why did Israel refuse to enter Canaan? Would somebody please tell me? Because they were afraid Of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. They were afraid to obey God. They feared them more than they feared God. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the entire, the entire program, but it's the beginning of wisdom. And what causes fear, ladies and gentlemen? Un-believe. I'm trying to help somebody not faint on the way to your miracle. Hebrews 2.14, we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today if you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts as in the provocation for some when they had heard did provoke how be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses but with whom was he grieved forty years was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest but to them that be believed not so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief why is it guys that you are so fearful How is it that you have no faith? Praise God. The worst possible sin that we can commit as a church or as an individual, as a family, is the sin of unbelief. It's the sin of unbelief. So when Israel worshipped the golden calf, only 3,000 died. Three generations of men and women, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandmothers, grandfathers, three generations. God only knows the toll, the number, died because of the sin of unbelief. I'm going to tell you, church, you're going to face some stuff. We're going to face some stuff. And if you don't make up your mind right now, that you're going to go to the other side. Fear is going to grip you and rob you of your miracle. Wouldn't it be a shame if we fought so diligently, so hard to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, unsullied from the filth that spews out of Hollywood? Wouldn't it be sad that we would Maintain the call, the command, the mandate to holiness and righteousness and modesty, and then lose out because of unbelief. My Lord. The children of Israel had come to the end, they were at the end of their arduous journey. Have, are we not now at the end of a journey that's taken the church through 2,000 years of history? Are we not now at that end? Are there not things that will come against that people, that church, that generation as they're at the very end? They were at the end. This is it. No more No more wilderness. No more thirst. No more the heat of the day. Just walk over and claim the land, and they couldn't do it. How sad it would be if we fainted just before we crossed the finish line. Musicians, would you come? Worship team. Revelation 21 lists uh, another uh, litany of sins. Abominable, murders, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. But I want you to look at the first two things that it mentions. This is written for our admonition, church. It's not written for the world. This this is written for the redeemed of God. Look at the first two things that will be joined along with the abominable, murders, whoremongers, sorcerers, blah, blah, blah. Who, what? The fearful and unbelieving. God's going to try and take something out of us here today. God's going to try and deliver us of some things here today. Some of you are freaking out in the storm. But God wants you to stand up, lift your voice, and say, God, I trust in you. My trust, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, we are going to go through. The dreaded hurricane season is very near. They're already making their prognostications and their predictions last year they predicted a certain number of storms they're going yeah right well it turns out we had 30 named storms they had to go to the greek alphabet this year so far i've heard it 16 to 20 uh four to six big storms dangerous storms and uh that's why, you know, we just, we just leave around July and go up to, up to Missouri safe out of hurricane season and right in the path of tornadoes. <laughs> hey, if you're going to go to the other side, you might as well make up your mind. You're going to have to go through some stuff to get there. So does anybody know what happens when two hurricanes merge? It's called a Fujiwara. I'm not joking you. I didn't make it up. It's named after a Japanese guy by the name of, guess who? Fujiwara. (laughs) Yeah, it's called the Fujiwara effect. We've been through a few of those, haven't we? I don't mean in Florida. I mean in in our walk with God. If in a spiritual battle, I'm going to alert you to something if you haven't figured this out. If you defeat a devil, trust me, he's going to come back with reinforcements. Don't you think the battle's won because you flicked him off? No, he's going to come back with some of his friends to see what you're made of. It's just, it's just a, a fact of spiritual life. But do you think that God is going to send his bride through an end-time Fujiwara if there's any question whether they will be able to survive the storm? No, no. So the same God that designed the flood also designed the ark. Think about it. Noah's saying, God, how do you know this thing's going to float? Because I made the flood and I designed the boat. If you think we're in something that God cannot keep us, you're wrong. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This church is going through. This church is going through. We're not going to avoid the storm. We're going to go through the storm. Look, I can tell you, I wish it were not so. I wish there was a call to hold missions on a Royal Caribbean cruise line. Sister Bruce and I would answer the call and sail our way into the coming of the Lord. We'll even accept the call to princess. Not carnival. Those are the party boats. Stay off of carnival. Made that mistake. (laughs) Perspective, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So the Bible talks about the great heroes of faith. I'm finishing up, I promise. And uh, tells about the great exploits of these heroes of faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about what more can we say? Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Uh, verse 34 if I can jump there quench the violence of fire scrape the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong works valiant in flight turn to flight the enemies of the aliens and unfortunately there's verse 35 women received their dead raised to life again and others others what happened to them well they were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. i got to tell you the whole truth. The whole truth. Yeah, some put armies of aliens to flight and others were killed on the battlefield. So I wish you hadn't told me that, preacher. Well, you're going to find out one way or the other. Then it says, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. Oh, my, who's, who's writing this? Come on, writer of Hebrews, just stop writing. Oh, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth do you realize all the original apostles with the exception of John the apostle John was martyred all of them you know there's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs I do not have that book in my library honestly I really don't care to read about how it it doesn't do that much for me So it's not included in my library, and so that means I probably will never be quoting from it. But I made up my mind that I'd rather die in faith than live in unbelief. And you need to make that decision today. You need to make that call today. Stand with me. I'd rather die in faith than live in unbelief. I don't know what God has on your other side. But I know if you will not faint in the way, you will not regret the trip. I don't know what ministry, I don't know what miracle, I don't know what calling, I don't know what experience with God awaits you on your other side. But I know that between here and there, there may well be a storm or some obstacles or some devils or some things that will attempt to cause you to faint in the way. So I want to close with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were superheroes, weren't they? They walked through fire, and they came out with not even the smell of fire on their clothes. They were bound and thrown into a burning, fiery furnace that had been heated seven times hotter than it had ever been before. They went inbound, but they walked out with no The only thing that burned was the cords they put on their wrists. And when the king saw, he went down there. So I got to see this. He sees four men in the fire, walking around. Comes near to the mouth of the furnace, and he says, yelling out, "The furnace is roaring." He yells out, "Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God." Notice what he called them. You want to earn respect with your family? Go through the fire. You want to earn respect with your neighbors? Walk through hell and hold your head up with faith in God. Oh, you're not flunkies. You're not servants of me. You are servants of the Most High God. Come forth and come hither. And they did. They come out of the midst of the fire. And they were untouched and unscathed. And when the Lord directed me to this story, and I thought, Lord, how am I going to end with that? Because they came out of the fire. And I know sometimes we've got to walk through the fire, but it just doesn't seem to fit. So the Lord told me to ask you this question. If they had come out of the fire and stepped into paradise, would the story be any less glorious? If they had walked out of the fire and stepped on the streets of gold, would the story be any less glorious? Of course, the answer is no, but from a human standpoint, it just might be. See, so that's the thing. We're looking at the storm with our human instinct and our humanity. Second Peter wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure: for if you do these things, ye shall never fall: for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to open the altar and I'm, I'm going to do it a little differently. Uh, I'm just being led of the Spirit. I didn't intend to do this. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. And I'm going to open the altar to those who have been in a storm of any kind. And it has shaken your faith. It has shaken your faith in God. And perhaps you have even questioned, not saying you did, but maybe you have even questioned whether God cares enough to bring you through or to deliver you from your storm. I don't want us to just all run down here to pray, but I'm going to open the altar to those who have been threatened in your storm. And you need God right now and right here. You need encouragement from him right here. You have been at the point of fainting and staggering in your faith from the the wind and the rain and the torrents of things that have come against you, maybe for such a long time, and you need God. You say, I, I, I just can't admit that. Well, then stay where you're at. Then don't come because He says, Come now. Remember, you got to come when He says, Come. So I'll stay back here and get the blessing. That's You won't get it. I, I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost now. I, I stand back here and I'll hide behind the crowd and in the and way back from everybody. Nobody has to see me. Then you won't get it. I'm sorry. If you need help getting through the storm, God says you got to come now. you got to come right now. Honesty, integrity in the Holy Ghost, humility in God. If I was out there, I'd come. I I get weary sometimes, and and I need God to help me so that I don't faint somewhere along the way because even at 71 years old, I believe God's got another side for me before I reach the gates of glory. I believe there's ministry. I believe there's anointing. I believe there's miracles. God wants to do something. He's not done with me yet. And somebody in your family, somebody in your life, somebody you work with is depending on you making it to the other side. Come on, church, it's not just about us. It's about that miracle. It's about that revival that's on the other side. It's about those souls that are waiting for somebody to step on the shores of the country of the Gadarenes and declare the Gospel and hold up a banner.
1: happens in a storm
0: it's every man on deck get the passengers out of their cabins get them up on deck get all the mariners sound the bell everybody gather let's come on we gotta we gotta fight our way through this storm it's calling the church it's waking the church up it's calling us right now to rise up That's why we're not going to lay hands on you. You're going to pray for yourselves. I want you to get together and pray for yourselves. I want you to lay hands on somebody. Amen. That's in the storm just like you are. I want you to pray for somebody. Come on, get together. Come on, get together. Come on, God wants you to get together. Come on, we're going to go through together. We're going to make it through together. By the strength of your faith. By the strength of your hope. Come on, He loves you. He cares about you. Pray that person exactly what you need. Whatever you need from God. You pray it for that individual. Release it onto that individual. Come on, this is a prayer of faith. It's not the prayer of doubt. It's not the prayer of unbelief. Come on, he's getting up right now. He's waking up. My God is arising. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. God, even if you don't calm our storm, We're going to go through anyway. We're going to sail on anyway. It doesn't matter how dark the night. It doesn't matter how rough the sea. We're going to make it to the other side because that's where our miracle is. That's where our breakthrough is.
1: I speak to your bones, Brother Bowley.
0: I I speak to your bones. Just like Ezekiel preached to the dry bones. I speak to your bones. I I command them to be strong. For strength to flow into you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church. We're going to go through it. We're gonna reach the other side. We're
1: We're gonna dance on streets of gold. We're
0: gonna see miracles, signs, and wonders. It has been determined. It has been
1: declared. No one else will do. Preparations have been made for the supernatural. Come on, press on a little bit. Press on a little further. Lord, we want you. This storm was not made for your destruction,
0: it is made for your anointing.
1: Here I am. See a light He is walking on the water Beside your ship place.
0: something with me. We're going to turn the tide on the devil. Woo. I know it's rough. I know it's hard. Nobody knows what you're dealing with and what you're going through. But right now, if you will do this, I believe it will release something in this place and something in your life. I want you to tell God, God, it's hard and it's rough, but I am gonna go through. You need to tell God, God, it's the toughest thing I've ever been through, but I'm not gonna faint. I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna go through to my other side. I'm gonna see my miracle. I'm gonna receive my blessing. I'm gonna receive my miracle. I am gonna go through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, you gotta mean it. You gotta mean it. You gotta mean it. Come on, tell him I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know you have my best interest at heart. Praise God, thank you Jesus for loving me. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for the blood of your cross. Come on, I don't know how, but I know I'm going through. I don't know how, but I'm going through. I'm going through. I'm going through. Hallelujah. I'm going to see my other side. I want to see what God has prepared for me on the other side. Sales. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to look around. I want you to see all the people at this altar. So well, man, I didn't know things were that bad. See, that's the way the flesh looks at it. <laughs> Here's the way God wants you to see it. You're not the only one in the storm. There's other people in the storm with you. Standing strong, holding faithful. Determined to make it through to the other side. Praise God. Don't let the devil tell you you're the everyone's on the mountaintop, but you're in the valley. That's nothing but a lie. It's a lie. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you Jesus. Now I'm not promise you that the sky is going to part tomorrow and the sun's going to shine and everything is going to be all right. I'm preaching this cuz tomorrow may be another continuation of the storm you're in. And now you know there's another side that you're going to reach. Praise God. We invite you to be with uh, the family and the church tomorrow at uh, 11 o'clock as we honor the passing of our brother. She's all right. This is a Pentecostal church. We're used to this. We want to support the family and give tribute to our our brother, if the Lord tarries, then we'll be repeating this for others, the Lord tarries. Honestly, I, I wish he wouldn't, but we have family that's still outside of the safety of the kingdom of God, and we're praying earnestly and desperately for them to be saved. Uh, So be with us tomorrow. Ladies, help out. The uh, ladies, when the meal's done, the work's not done, we still got to clean up, put everything away. Don't forget that, gentlemen, as well. So um, would you bow your heads with me? Sometimes we just dismiss you, but this is just so incredibly wonderful, the presence of God that we're in right now. And I want to pray as I know what happens uh, uh, as this begins to dissipate how the enemy works on our mind. I want to pray for you right now that God will remind you of what you said to him today when you said, God, I'm going to make it through my storm. To encourage you at times when You don't think you can make it, but you will make it by the grace of God. And I pray his strength will begin to flow through you, and you will be encouraging others who are in a storm saying, look, I made it through some of my own. You can make it through yours. I seal these people today with the name of Jesus Christ and with the blood of the Lamb of God. You go with him in faith. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Brother Basor, you guys.